that the difference between safe and unsafe use of video games or the internet is going to depend on how much knowledge the child has going into it and how safe an environment you have prepared for them. That is Paul Hickey, gaming expert and e-safety presenter. This week we'll be discussing games consoles and the technology kids may have received for Christmas. And more importantly, as parents, how do we keep them safe as they use them? eSafety provides internet safety presentations for parents and teachers. We also provide interactive workshops for students from first class and primary through to sixth year post-primary. eSafety has been working in schools for over 10 years and has an expert team of presenters that cover the whole country. If you want to learn more about what we do, check out our website www.esafety.ie or contact us at info at esafety.ie. We're sitting down here with Paul Hickey, our resident gaming expert and e-safety educator. And Paul's been with us for a number of years now, working in schools all over the country. Is an enthusiast slash expert on gaming. I'll take that title. (laughs) So today we want to look at the area around games consoles, games that kids have gotten for Christmas. Um, What are their capabilities? What are the potential risks? And then how to mitigate those risks for parents. So, Paul, start us off. What's been popular this Christmas? Okay. Well, as with uh, all other Christmases, you know, there's going to be uh, the, the hot new items that are out and there's going to be the old reliables, you know. So people will be familiar with the likes of your Playstations, your Xboxes, whatever Nintendo is offering. Uh, tablets, of course, laptops, desktops, all that. And all of these are capable you know, of playing games, playing them online. But there are going to be different things to look out for with each of them. And uh, there are going to be some common things to look out for as well. Okay, so why don't you start us off? So we may as well start with uh, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. I'm sure that a lot of people who are listening to this may have had these be the first console that's introduced to their children. It may have been a popular thing to be requested over the Christmas time. Uh, The reason I lump them both together is because they are very, very similar consoles. Uh, They would both pride themselves on being quite powerful. They're internet capable. They'll have a large range of games developed by third parties like your Electronic Arts, your Activisions, your Warner Brothers, or whatever. And uh, to, to look at those, uh, coming right out of the box, they do have parental controls. And that's going to be a thing that we'll focus on a bit in this, you know, is putting in place some security. Uh, if, for example, you have children that are quite young, you can limit their access to content that would be only suitable for adults, for example. Absolutely, and it's much easier to do that from a younger age as to try and impose this on an older child who's you know, had access to these things. But um, I think, yeah, what, what, are, what can they do in terms of connecting to the internet? Well, from the offset, they have access to voice chat. Uh, now, with both of these consoles... The default setting is when you go onto these, uh, onto these gaming, so onto the gaming networks, that you can chat with strangers in an unmonitored, unrestricted fashion. So if they were playing FIFA, for example, they could play against somebody anywhere else in the world and talk to that person. And there's no control or verification on who those people are or um, follow up. You've no idea who they are. Is that no, right? no guarantees who they are. No, they could say they are whoever. And it's not inherently bad. Mm-hmm. But I myself would not make a habit of talking to strangers over the internet. The good news is, is that that can be turned off. 
Okay. And I think that you can get all the enjoyment that you want out of a games console and a game online without having to talk to a stranger. Okay, and the flip side of that is they can talk to their friends. Um, is there a way to turn just friends on and strangers off? Is that possible? Yes, absolutely. You can, in the settings of the consoles, you can limit it so that they can only talk to people who they know. But you can also form parties on these consoles. So you can make a room, a private room, where you and your friends can chat, go online, and then strangers can't talk to you. You can't hear them and they can't hear you. Which makes the most sense for, I think, you know, parents going forward is to not restrict it so that they can't talk to anyone, but um, keeping them happy, they can talk to their friends who they know in the real world. Yeah, I think that's a good balance. What else do they offer in terms of parental controls? Well, they have a straight-up way to limit access to games above a certain certification. So we're all familiar with movie certification. So you have, uh, you know, G, PG, 12s, 15s. Games have a very similar uh, rating system that is, uh, that is enforced by PEGI, the Pan-European Gaming uh, Initiative. And what they do is they set it between 3 and 18. Okay. So you could go into the PS4 settings, for example, and ensure that your child can't play a game above a 12. Okay. You know, or 16s. Now, it's important to take all of these on their individual cases because there are some games that are 16 that will not meet the thresholds for an 18s game but may contain a lot of bad language or may contain things that you really wouldn't want them to see. So don't just look at the number on the box and think, okay, well, I'm, I'm all right with them playing that because it's 16s. Sure. Look at what it actually is first okay. and maybe do a bit of research on it. I mean, these can actually be an internet browser as well? Absolutely. Uh, lots of them do have browsing capability. Now you, in, in the case of both the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, you have to download those. They're free. Okay. You know, but they are on their app stores, so you can download them and browse away as much as you want. They have YouTube apps. They have access to the likes of Spotify, Netflix, all these other apps too. And can the parents restrict that? Absolutely. You can if you want to. Now, and these settings go quite deep, and they will involve a little bit of tinkering with to get to learn how they work. And That was my next question. How, if someone you know, is giving this present to their child um, this year, and they have n they're complete technophobe, they have no idea what they're doing, how easy is, is it for parents to set these parental controls up? They're, like, to set up the basics is actually quite simple. And what I would say is there are lots of resources, for example, online, on, for example, on Sony's site, on Microsoft's site, uh, where you can just look at a how-to with this. There will be tutorials in the systems themselves. They might seem intimidating. But I would say if you can just go in, there is no better way to do it than just playing with them yourself. Every time that you go to change something, the console will tell you what impact this is going to have and what it's going to do. Uh, they, they do that because they don't want adults to accidentally limit themselves from accessing stuff that they want to. So <laughs> sure. they make sure they let you know if you're going to... Okay, and it's pretty off. intuitive. Yeah, no, no, it may seem intimidating initially, but go through it and if you're stuck, consult their sites. They will have definitive guides on how to set this stuff up. Excellent, cool. Okay, um, moving on from PlayStation and Xbox One, what else is popular this Christmas? So people may have heard of the Nintendo Switch. It's Nintendo's latest console. It came out in March 2017. It's, uh, the appeal of the console is, aside from you know, Nintendo's games, is that it is both a portable console and a home console in one. So you can dock it so it will appear on your television and you can play it like a normal games console at home but you can also attach little controllers to the side of the screen and then take it with you to play on the bus or play in car journeys on the way to school or whatever. Okay, and with portable games, what are the risks that are maybe that the Xbox or the PlayStation doesn't have? 
I suppose uh, like a risk could be that you can continue to play it all the time. So perhaps observing uh, continued healthy levels of uh, use of the product would be important when they're taking it portable, you know, to make sure that they do unplug at times, that they don't just play for, you know, two or three hours at home, but then when they have to go visit the family, they bring it with them so they never take a break from it. You know, uh, it's, it, it, it's of course great and they're going to enjoy playing it and over Christmas time, of course, they'll want to play it, you know, in excessive uh, amounts, but maybe just make sure that uh, it's still maintaining some kind of balanced use. Sure. And in terms of internet usage settings, I mean, you know, some families set up their router to have restricted, mm-hmm. um, and, but then you introduce a, an item like a switch or a mobile phone that can be taken out of the house. Yeah. What are the risks or how do you get around those risks, basically? Well, thankfully, with if we take the switch as a specific example, it has a really robust app that you can download to your phone that you can link with the console. So there is a parental settings app where you can monitor how much they have been playing. Uh, You can, for example, set a shut off point. You can turn off the game if you want to. And you like it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty deep with regards to features. And by default, I would tend to recommend the Nintendo consoles from a parental safety and you know, a child safety point of view over the others because... They're the, aimed more at children as opposed to... <coughs> absolutely. You know, they would, I'd say Nintendo would like to say they're aimed at everyone. But they have, in addition to the robust parental settings, they don't allow for voice chat between strangers. Okay. At all. Uh, that's just not possible, you know. So the uh, in in with in with regards to how much private information could be given out about a child on a switch, it's quite limited. They'd have to actually be going out of their way to try to interact with strangers, mm-hmm. okay. exchange details. There's no messaging system between friends on the switch. Okay. So it is just play the game. That's it, and you can't find out anything. And else. you mentioned in the app that the parents can download onto their phone, mm-hmm. which is available for Android and and uh, for uh, Apple, Apple as well. Apple yeah. as well. They can actually turn off the machine? They can turn off the machine. They can look back at activity and see how often they've been playing and for how long. They can set a timer so you can say, okay, you get half an hour from now and in half an hour it's going to shut off and you can set it so that the kid gets a five-minute warning saying you've got five minutes left so they can finish up their game if they want to. Perfect. I I can see the appeal for parents with this. I mean, that seems like a really kind of, as you say, robust, family-friendly gaming console yeah it, absolutely I, I think if you're if you're talking especially about young children uh, really there's uh, there's a lot of choice with regards to games for them and the uh, the internet approach that they take adults may view it as being uh, quite limiting if you want to network online but i think as, for kids it's perfect great okay what's next so that we there are just one or two little other things that i want to br- uh, draw people's attention to because Games have moved beyond uh, just being about the single purchase. So you can spend 60 euro on a game, but the intention of the publishers of that game is going to be to get more money out of you over time. Now, parents may be familiar with uh, what's called DLC, downloadable content. Now, these are basically microtransactions. So this can range from being able to buy an accessory for your character that you use to play online to being, you know, a full-on new chapter of the game, a new campaign. And so it could be €2, Euro, it could be €50 Euro, to download this additional content for a game. In recent months, there have been some pretty big controversies around certain games. Uh, most specifically, uh, there's a Star Wars game that came out recently called Star Wars Battlefront 2. 
uh, timed very well to coincide with the release of the new movie. And it, it's mostly an online shooter game. Now, the game itself is actually not that great. It's pretty lame, but that's not, what's, uh, uh, that's not the real problem with it. That's not the controversy. No, that's <laughs> not the controversy. The controversy is, is that they introduced what, it, what has come to be called a, a loot box system. So, okay, maybe you need to explain that. <clears throat> so the way it works is, using real money, uh, you can purchase things within the game that would otherwise take a very, very long time to achieve by playing through the game normally. Uh, so let's say if a child gets uh, Battlefront 2 for Christmas and they decide when they first get it, it's like, oh, I'd love to be able to play as Darth Vader. Well, they could play for 30 hours to try and unlock Darth Vader or they could pay a certain amount of money to get him. Okay. okay? But where it gets uh, a little bit more sinister is is that there are, uh, there are ways that you can purchase content and you're not going to know what you're getting until you actually pay the money. So it's, it's, it's random. It's random, absolutely. So you could get some high quality content in it. That, so you could get a cool lightsaber or a cool gun or whatever. Or you could get something really lame like a skin for an existing gun that you already have. And this has uh, garnered some serious controversy from the likes of certain governments like in Belgium. I know that the state of Hawaii uh, specifically called this out as being gambling for children and right, because you warned can, parents about it. You're basically taking a risk. You're, you're paying your money, but you've no guarantee of what you're getting back. Exactly like right. Ro- rolling the dice, basically. Yeah, and uh, Electronic Arts, who published the game, they defended it by saying, well, it's not gambling because you're going to get something either way. But, uh, it has drawn a lot of heat from people. Okay. And talk me through the process of actually buying content online, because obviously they need to be connected to a credit card or... Some form of, of buying. How it, does that work with kids? So, all of the consoles, right, have the, the capability of storing credit cards on them. Okay. Now, you can set a password so that you have to enter it every time you purchase something. You can also, you don't have to do that. You can just set it up so that it's just one tap, buy something. Uh, there's also an opportunity to use PayPal on it as well, if you so wish. The game, the, the consoles themselves have built-in stores, so... There is the eShop on the, on the Nintendo Switch. There is the PlayStation Store on the PlayStation. And then there's the Microsoft Store on the Xbox. Now, uh, you can buy full games or you can buy smaller games or you can buy DLC. Once you've purchased something, it's going to store your credit card details automatically. And you can just use it then as much as but you want. But it doesn't have to. I mean, you can erase that. Oh, you can erase yeah, it. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It, well, it, the default is going to be, we have stored this. Is that okay? Tick a box. Yes, yes. or no. And okay. that's it. But basically, you need for in order for it's just so parents aren't freaking out that their kids are just going around buying stuff on their yeah. credit cards. The parent actually needs to give them the credit card in the first place, or yes. access to a PayPal account, or whatever it is. Exactly right. And that might be a one-off purchase, but if it's storing this credit card information or giving the child an option when they enter everything in, yeah, the parent needs to be aware that they could continue to buy stuff. Yes, yeah, so which is where I think we've seen a few stories in our time with eSafety oh, yeah. of parents you know putting in a password once um, for even the iTunes store and kids buying you know 100 euros worth of games over the yeah. 15 minutes um, and it's very difficult to get your money back and that kind of thing 
but essentially a kid will need a credit card or access to a parent's credit card to start this process. Yes, unless they have, for example, been given a gift card and they stored money on an account for them. You know, so a relative may have bought them a gift card for €25 Euro to use on PlayStation. Okay. So they could spend that as much as they want. But uh, for the rest of the stuff, absolutely, it's all credit card. And a thing to be aware of with both PlayStation 4 and Xbox One is that you have to pay to use their online service. So it's €60 Euro a year for PlayStation 4. I'm not exactly sure how much it is for Xbox One. Okay. But uh, they, they're probably comparable in terms of price. Sure. So uh, another... Uh, uh, I'd mentioned before that uh, tablets are also quite big. Lots of kids will want to play the likes of Minecraft and Roblox okay. on their... Talk tablets. us through the concept of these online games. So I think it's quite telling. When you look at the, the descriptions from the point of view of the game's makers, they don't describe Minecraft and Roblox and games like those as games. They describe them as social platforms. So these games are... Uh, are collaborative. Uh, they allow ki kids to make their own game and interact with their friends online and interact with other people online if they want to. And it, it, of course, it is creative and you may hear that the likes of Minecraft are used in education hmm. as well to try and get kids interested in certain things, try and encourage collaboration and creativity. There is nothing inherently bad about Minecraft, Roblox or anything like that. They are basically virtual Lego. You know, without any of the dexterity building or 3D spatial awareness, you know, it has sure. a lot of the I mean, stuff. maybe even go simpler. What's, what's the point? Like, if you go on to Minecraft and you set up your account, what are you trying to do? What's the end goal? So, is there an end goal? Well, I suppose the, the end goal is the process itself of building. So, you, when you start up a blank room in Minecraft, you can just make whatever you want. So, you can make a castle, you can make a house, you can make a horse you could try and recreate a scene from your favourite movie. It's, they are simply sandboxes. And the point of it is, is that you're supposed to enjoy the process of building. If you're doing it with friends, you can coordinate, and at the end you will have something to show for it. Now, within this setting, it is possible that people can chat to each other, mm -hmm. you know, that you could make friends, uh, that you could like build up a friends list of people that you could coordinate with. But uh, there's... Uh, of course, the thing to remember here is is that it's the vast majority of people are still going to be strangers, and I think just because they play Minecraft does not mean that they're necessarily a friend of your child. So I, I think that when it comes to the interacting part of it, the um, the voice chat, the text chat, that should only be done with people that they know in real life. And is it possible to restrict that? Yes, it is indeed. And is there parental controls in Minecraft, or the child has to set them up themselves? No, these would have to be set up uh, themselves. It's going to depend on the device and it's really going to be up to the parents to when the child first gets Minecraft to sit down, establish some rules and make sure they know how to be safe and make sure, if you can, that you can turn off features that you don't want there. Like being able to talk to strangers. Okay, cool. So. <clears throat> okay, Paul, thanks for all your worldly knowledge on uh, gaming games consoles. If you had some very simple safety advice for parents who are now who have children who now have these consoles or games or iPads or whatever, what what would you say to them is important going forward? Okay, well, it's I think it's important to remember that the rules for keeping yourself safe when playing video games uh, uh, online or even offline are very similar to the rules that we talk about in summary when we discuss internet safety in general for children. 
I think from a parental perspective, it's important to not be afraid of it. Understand that the difference between safe and unsafe use of video games or the internet is going to depend on how much knowledge the child has going into it and how safe of an environment you have prepared for them. So have conversations about it. They've got this new piece of kit, they're excited about it, that's fantastic. So share in that excitement with them, but let them know that having this fun comes with some responsibility as well. So have conversations about not talking to strangers, about keeping your private information private. And make sure that they are on board and they understand why you have to put certain settings in place. Uh, I think healthy use is also important. Uh, of course, uh, that's going to be down to the individual parents, individual children. The games are there to be played and to have fun with, but they should not necessarily come at the expense of other parts of their life. It, uh, these games can, of course, be very addictive if you allow them to be. So don't be afraid to set down some rules. You know, you say, okay, well, you get an hour of recreational time a night on the internet, including video games, you know, and it's up to them how they use it. And Paul, is there any resources that can help this conversation? I mean, help put down some of these boundaries for parents who may not have any experience with technology. You know, there's a new bit of kid in there, as you say, in their house, and maybe, you know, they just don't know how to begin this process. What, what would you recommend? So on our site, we have a, a code of conduct contract now. Uh, this is kind of, it is a broad reaching contract in that it covers multiple aspects of internet use. But we have found that it's a very successful bridge in getting the conversation started with children around internet safety, how to look after yourself, and how to conduct yourself properly online. And this, of course, includes video games as well. So I would say an exercise could be sitting down, reading through that with them, relating it back to what their internet use is, what their video game use is, and explaining why it's important. It's a thing that you can both sign and date and leave it somewhere central so that the child can refer, can refer back to it if they need to. Thank you very much, Paul Higgy, for joining us today and for being our resident game expert. Um, I think we'll come back in a few weeks' time and maybe look at some of these aspects again. We'd be happy to. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our eSafety podcast. If you have any questions or would like us to address a new topic, please email your questions or queries to info at eSafety.ie. eSafety, keeping kids safe online.